listening to Rabbit Radio, the official podcast of FC Edmonton. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it is time for another edition of Rabbit Radio, the official podcast of FC Edmonton. Uh, and where are we? We are here at the First Round Sports Restaurant in downtown Edmonton, where you can have all kinds of fun and frivolity uh, with beverages, food, all kinds of things coming your way. The service here is fantastic. It's a, it's a must place to be uh, to enjoy your meal time or anytime activities. Isn't that correct? That's very correct. Nailed it. <laughs> Nailed that intro, yeah. Dino. That was perfect. That's perfect. That, that was very good. And as always, I'm here with Jeff Paulus and Andreas Morris. And the guest today, you know what? We're the guests today. There is no bring-in guest. We're just going to open the floor up to topics galore about football, about the Eddies, about the CSA, about some uh, new people that are coming on board of the CSA. And we'll talk about... Uh, them for sure, and maybe in the near future here we'll actually have um, some phone broadcasts where we can bring people in as guests via the phone so we can uh, introduce some people to the uh, East Coasters that are out there and soccer-friendly, so to speak. Um, so to start things off, we're going to talk a little CSA and the announcement they had today about Jason DeVos. Um, Jeff, maybe you can help me out there in the position. What's the position of Jay? Yeah, it's a newly created position, actually, the Director of Development. And uh, this is a massive role because it encompasses everything from uh, grassroots, uh, youth development, uh, provincial development, and, of course, coach education and revamping that system as well. So massive job, and uh, I think they've got the right guy for the job. Oh, well, that's great. My first question is why wasn't that position, uh, why did that position need to be created? It seems like that's something that should have been in place a long time ago. Yeah, you know what, I think it's, uh, yeah, certainly there, there's there's been a lot of talk of, of, you know, what the CSA has needed to do in the past, and, and I've got to say and really give a lot of credit right now because they are trying to make changes, uh, changes Dre, and, you know, Tony Fonseca, now that he's focused on the uh, kind of the elite uh, player pathway um, and, our, and our youth national teams, I think that's been a good role there that, that they've uh, really put in place for Tony. Um, and then Rob Gale being on board as well as a full-time staff coach working with the U20s, U18s, uh, and, of course, uh, helping uh, with the coaching development licenses, the, uh, the material for that, curriculum for that. So they are starting to make changes. They do realize that there's a need at the youth level to make changes, and um, it's, just, it's a good start. It's long overdue, 100%. Yeah. You're right. It's long overdue. Yeah. And uh, if we want to... If we want to call ourselves a soccer nation, a growing soccer nation, a developing footballing nation, whatever you want to say, these are the steps that have to be taken. Because it starts from the grassroots. Your players of the future are those young ones that uh, maybe aren't getting the same directive all the time uh, that they need to make it to the national level. Yeah. So what do you you think his focus is going to be specifically? Is he working at the very grassroots levels or is he working with the, the professional academies or... No, I can't see. Uh, I don't believe that there is going to be an attachment or relationship in his role uh, with uh, with any of the pro academies. I think that's uh, more closely related to uh, Tony Fonseca's uh, portfolio and and what Tony brings to the table. And um, as far as how the youth uh, national teams are set up, um, what I mean, where I see his initial work being important is is really with the provincial associations, yeah. uh, getting them all on board and getting them all headed in the same direction, doing the same thing. And, and that's a bit of work there because, of course, we know provincial associations are controlled by the districts. Yeah. And districts are controlled by well-meaning, most of the time, mums and dads, mm-hmm. not necessarily technical people, not mm-hmm. necessarily footballing people, yeah. um, and maybe in some circumstances people that just really like a title. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, so so the uh, provincial associations kind of have their hands tied a lot of times. They lose votes. They don't get enough votes to make change. Um, so that's going to be, for me, his most important role right off the bat. And then once you have that buy-in and hopefully a change in, in how govern, uh, governance is, is happening in the country in the first place, uh, if we can get that, or if he can get that CS or that provincial buy-in, uh, perhaps then we'll, we'll see things change at the grassroots level, and he'll have a canvas to work from as well that way. Now, do you think that will have an effect on the professional academies like FC Edmonton, Ottawa, Montreal, Vancouver, Toronto? Is, do you think he'll have an impact on those youth programs within those academies in regards to how it'll affect the CSA? I think the effect it'll have on our program, you know, speaking for FC Edmonton, well, for all the pro academies, is that um, ideally then we're looking at better players. Yeah, for, for sure. So I think that's I think that's where the relationship and it, and it's happens. It's purely speculative, obviously. Yeah, we, don't, we, we don't really know yeah. the role of uh, yeah. Jason until we speak with them or, in, or, well, or it was see a, a directive from yeah. the CSA. I got to say, it was a massive. I, I mean, I saw the job posting obviously and read the job posting and massive. Yeah, really. You know, my first thought reading it was was you could create three full time positions on this one on this one. So on he's this probably going to have to give up the old broadcast gig then, eh? Yeah, it's uh, that'll be interesting that one. Um, but I mean, you couldn't yeah. find. I mean, you'd be hard pressed to find a more passionate man about the sport in this country, hey? But I mean, I loved watching him play as a player. He just had that uh, hard nose, aggressive. He, I mean, he's the yeah. kind of he's the kind of defender that I wanted to be. Just didn't care. Just wanted to win yeah. that ball. Yeah. A throwback. Yeah, he really yeah. was. And and I think he brings that into his broadcasting. I think he brings that into his opinions mm-hmm. uh, on social media. I, I, you know what? And I have to say, I really enjoy the broadcast that he's involved with. Uh, he's whether you like him or not for what he's saying, I really enjoy what he does yeah. bring to a broadcast as far as the color of that broadcast goes. I mean, there's, yeah. there's few guys out there that really pull it off well, and, yeah. and Jason's one of them. He is one of them. He's really grown in that position. Yeah, I think yeah. he does such a fantastic job, especially during the halftime shows and mm-hmm. his analysis. And, I mean, I use, and, you know, and, and, and thankfully... Um, I've gotten to form a little bit of a relationship, and not necessarily yeah. we're tight or anything like that. I'm not suggesting that, but mm-hmm. but at least it's at the point where, when I've watched something that he's done on TV, and uh, and I've been able to send him an email and say, "Is there any chance I can get a copy of that?" and and he'll send it. You know, this is the type of guy that he is, and yeah. he doesn't know me anything certainly. No, uh, but he appreciates the role that that you know all of us are certainly in and trying to develop academy players, and he appreciates that, and and he helps. Yeah, and so he so I use his video with our academy. Uh, to show them some certain things that, that we get wrong. And, and so he, he's an advocate for the game in Canada. Mm-hmm. Uh, he really does not care about the political side of it. Yeah. He doesn't care what the districts are saying. He doesn't care what the the telephone coaches are saying. He doesn't care about the ones that think that status quo is okay. Yeah. You know, and I, I've heard the comments here that, well, things weren't so bad before FC Edmonton. We still got players to universities and colleges. Well... Really, I mean, if we're gonna if we're gonna say that that uh, ten years ago things were okay before FC Edmonton was around, well, then how is this country ever gonna grow? Because if that attitude permeates throughout, we're going nowhere. And yeah. it's such a defeatist, self-serving comment uh, to make something like that. You know, at, at a meeting, it's an absolutely asinine comment, I think. And mm-hmm. if this country is gonna climb in the ranking on the men's side of the game, then we need we need uh, game changers. We need revolutionaries or evolutionaries. 
and, uh, and people that are driven and people that are not scared to piss off other people. Yeah. And that's certainly Jason. That's him in a nutshell, it seems. It I is. mean, from what I, I don't know him at all. Do you know him, DW? I mean, he I, went to, I was, were I was, you there at Dundee when I, he was there? I was at Dundee the, when he was still there playing. So I, I only saw the playing side of him. We went out a couple of times after training sessions. Uh, he was good friends with uh, Pat Onstad, who was a goalkeeper that I was actually good friends with when Pat was at Dundee. Mm-hmm. And um, so when I went over to observe, I actually stayed with Pat. A- anyways, long story short, we went out for dinner a couple of times with uh, Jason and his wife. So nice guy. Yeah. A nice guy off the pitch and stuff. Hard-nosed on the field. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, and, and brought it both in... Uh, in his game in Scotland where he played, and, and when he came in with the national team yeah. and, uh, and played there, he was pretty hardcore as a player. Yeah, well, I think that that pool for the, the CSA to kind of look back on the former former national team players and yeah. be able to take some of these guys and use the expertise that they learned as players, mm-hmm. some of them moved on as coaches. Yeah. Uh, you know, we know one personally, obviously, but, yeah. but I mean, just to... To go back and use the guys that have grown up in the system and want to see change in the of system course, is a good thing. Yeah, yeah. and, and I, I almost wonder uh, if this is going to also lend him, because he's been working with the women's national program on their defending end with with John yeah. Herdman. So is this does this role encompass the women's side of the game as no, well? I, well, it encompasses m- a, a boys and it? girls, Okay, yeah. but I don't believe it encompasses the, the, the senior women's national team. No, I, well, I just meant... I think that would be a separate, but certainly... Certainly, it's both sides, both yeah. genders. It's right across the board. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, you talk about credibility, mm-hmm. and um, and certainly everyone that gets a position anywhere is going to be uh, critiqued and questioned, yeah. and in this country, ridiculed, ridiculed if it's you know not the the, the flavor of you know the flavor the, of the month, the flavor of the type month, person, sure. and uh, you know. But but this is someone you look at putting Jason DeVos in that position, and so he's done it as a player. And I think he's had a more successful international career than most Canadians have had exactly. in the history yeah. of oh, our yeah. country. I would agree. Yeah. Um, he, he has been a, a technical director of a club, of the biggest club in Canada, Oakville. Well, and that was another question yeah. for me. You being from Ontario, yeah. did you hear much about him being at that large technical no. club as a technical I mean, guy? I left at 19 for the Navy. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that was, uh, he was still a player at the time. Yeah. Just starting his playing career, probably, yeah. I, probably around the same age as Jason. Um, but, but then certainly, so he's had a bit of time there on, on the administrative side of the game. But, you know, since that point, he's also gone out. I know he's got his UEFA A license. I, I, I'm almost certain he's on his pro license right now. And um, he also has a USSFA license. So he's got the coaching certifications. He's got the playing background. Uh, he's a commentator. People watch him on TV. They know that he knows what he's talking about. Yeah. So really, who, what mum or dad or, or anyone in this country, for that matter, at this point, when he's looking at changes and wanting to bring in changes, how do you question it? Yeah. How are you going to question it? What are you going to say? And what is going to be your background experience that says that he's wrong? Yeah. And uh, that's why I think because he's a strong personality, He's got a big presence. We yeah. hear that term a lot. Yeah, of course. And, and he has that. And um, I, I just think they've put, uh, they've put the right person in the job at this time. I'm envious of him. I mean, I think yeah. that would be a great job. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's uh, so, yeah, it's... Uh, How does it work, JP? Yeah, I know this is not really that important, but when, you, when you're with the CSA and you take a job like this, are you having to move or can you do this job out of your wherever you're living? He'll, he'll be know? working out of the... Um, yeah, he's working out of Vaughn. He'll be in. He'll be in the uh, in the main offices. He'll be working out of an office in the Vaughn Soccer Center, I believe. I believe he's got a place in Toronto, uh, so he won't 
The, the main office be, is in Ottawa. Yeah, and he won't be there. My understanding okay. is he's going to be working at Avon okay. for this one. Okay. So, that was just an yeah. aside. I was and and I, think, I think it's purely up to the guys. Well, I don't know if it's purely up to the guys. But, for example, the women are based... The women coaching staff is based out of Vancouver, right, um, and not Ontario. Tony so, Fonseca, based out of Vancouver, yeah, um, uh, and he's the technical director of the yeah, CSA. Yeah, the technical director, so. and um, uh, uh, Ray Clark yeah. is based out of, uh, and he's the director of our coaching currently and, and running our coaching licensing courses. Um, so they make it accessible for these guys. They I, don't, uh, they I do. So if, yeah. they, if they're finding yeah. the right person, yeah, and That's right. you know if they don't have to. Pay them to move. I mean, the CSA has offices in Vancouver. They sure. have offices in Toronto. They have offices in yeah. Ottawa. Um, obviously, the main office is in Ottawa, I believe. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but I, I think they would make it work wherever you are. Isn't Gailey out of uh, Winnipeg or something like that as well? Yeah, still lives there. You so, know, you look at Sean Fleming. He was running out of working at a Sherwood, Sherwood Park. Park. Yeah. Uh, Michael Finley, I believe, still lives in BC. Nice. Uh, Benito Floro works out of BMO BMO Field. Yeah. The office is there for the technical staff. So. Yeah, I think in this day and age, even though we're the second biggest country, I think they make it work. And yeah, you know, mm-hmm. but travel would be tough. I, I'm sure if people really want the job, I mean, if you're offered a job somewhere else, right, uh, that uh, pays the bills and is a part of your passion, I, I'm sure you're going to move to where you're going to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah that's right. Uh, but necessity. Well, it's great. I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing more on on Jason and how he does. And uh, I know there's a. A meeting going on next Tuesday that uh, JP's involved with, but we'll talk a little bit about that next week, mm-hmm. and hopefully Jason will be involved with that. We can also yeah. look to try and get Jason on uh, via phone, yeah. uh, a phone interview. Yeah, which yeah should if you be see great. him at your meeting, just uh, <laughs> drop him a rabbit radio card. <laughs> no, or if he's uh, ever yeah. in Edmonton, we'll just yeah. bring him on. We'll, oh, s- we'll switch the day right. of rabbit radio and have yeah. him come on. And uh, I have asked, you know, it's great. I have suggested that he comes in when he comes into to Alberta, and you know. Um, I know he wants to make this a focus, this province, because yeah. we, in all honesty, have some issues. You yeah. know, we're at, we're starting to get an HPL league in. You've got people that have been involved in the game a long time fighting against it, and uh, which which makes no sense to me. Yeah. Honestly, I just I don't get how any technical person uh, that preaches player development in this in in Alberta can be against uh, an HPL. I, I think it goes back to what we've talked about this before, and it's it's the. The thought process of um, allowing kids to develop at the very highest level, yeah. and being able to relinquish those kids from your team, yeah. uh, and not think so—I don't want to use the term selfish, but that's what it is. It is yeah, it, it, it's about wanting to win medals for your self and yeah. your group, and then your club. I got no problems with winning medals for your club, yeah. but if there's an opportunity for your top player. To move on? I know. Let them move on. So do you yeah. have that same thought uh, when it comes to the professional ranks, like a team totally. a team yeah. uh, deciding not to release a player for the national team because they want to do well in the in the league game that's that weekend instead? How do you feel about that? I, you know what? I, I struggle with that a little bit because there's a, isn't there a mandate already out there that you're supposed to? For, for FIFA dates. For, for FIFA okay, dates, for you FIFA have dates. to. And that's just, that's, you just have to, yeah. right? Uh, I, and for those dates, I agree wholeheartedly. Uh, if it's just exhibition series, but that's the way a lot of these guys, a lot of guys who don't 
necessarily have um, a guaranteed spot on the team for yeah. for a FIFA for an actual World Cup qualifier or what have you. Yeah. Their their way to get into that spot is through these friendlies, mm-hmm. and to deny them that opportunity could be detrimental to them playing for them. Yeah, fair enough. Fair the enough. Big difference. There's a oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. I, I was just thinking that you know. That's right, because that's going through their head at the same time. But for me, you have to weigh what is most important. Can you, as a club, release this player? Or or are they important enough in your starting lineup, your starting eleven? that you have to have them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's also, uh, I mean, there's so many different factors you have to think about as yeah. well. There's the PR factor. True. There's the, uh, you know, okay, well, f- for example, a club like FC Edmonton to be able to say, you know, Dustin Correa is going off to play for El Salvador uh, or Nick Ledgerwood's going off to play for Canada. That's yeah. good PR for the club. Yeah. And yeah. then to then have to say, mm, actually, we're not going to release him to go play for his club that could be negative. There, I mean, there's a big do difference. You care or yeah, what? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we're talking. There's a massive difference here, and the one difference is the professional clubs pay these players, and but so do the national teams. No, but we're comparing though to the. Yeah, yeah it's, a one, it's, it's a one-off. It's thing. a one-off they're, they're payment. It's a one-off and, payment versus a. Exactly. So when you're finished that uh, seven-day, 10-day, 14-day stint with your national team, you have to come back somewhere and hope that your salary's there. Yeah. Yeah. Hope that you're getting it. And that's where some of these clubs, if they're not a FIFA date, will think, we're paying your living. This is your livelihood that we're dropping our money on. Now, so you really need to make a decision on this exhibition series yeah. or have your coach discuss it with us. Yeah. The necessity of you playing, are you actually going to start, are you getting into the game? I mean, the reality of it is most coaches will probably be like, well, he might. Yeah. I don't know. I can't really say that until we're playing in the match. But yeah. when you're playing, paying for someone's livelihood, yeah. you, there's a lot of guys that have bailed on going to national Team events just to keep their spot on their, their club. salary, oh, yeah. exactly. Especially the salary and a, yeah. players, and that's a big one. It's apples and oranges, right? Now, yeah. I'll go back and just say quickly, you know, we're in a situation, and and Colin and I certainly agree a hundred percent on this that we want to support the CSA. So, and that's why Shamit Shom is away with the U20s right now, and uh, has to miss two of our games. And Shamit pointed out we probably could have used against Puerto Rico. Oh, yeah, he's his, an integral part. His, uh, yeah, you know, the kids started what nine games in a row. He's been a big part of this current run. His movement off the ball, he gives us different options, and yeah. the fact that he wants to play forward, so he puts the back lines on their on their toes, so to speak, because he's playing forward quickly. So, yeah, we did miss uh, Shamit, in my opinion, but yeah. but we want to support the CSA. We're not not that we're going to support the CSA, of course. and um, and it's just values that we have, and certainly. With Colin Miller's history of you know how many times he's captained the country and as amount of times he's played for the country, an interim coach. It, it's that, just part of who he yeah. is. He's been an interim coach as well, and so this will be this will be a professional club that that will support um, our our association. Mm-hmm. When we go back and compare what we're talking about here with releasing uh, players under contract to us to play for the national team versus youth teams, who get paid for those players? So those players on youth teams here, they're paying to play. Mm-hmm. So. And then these clubs don't want to lose them to the professional academies or to different things because there yeah, are that's players. That's a totally different argument. Yeah. I support you know, that for sure. Yeah. yeah. So that's yeah. and that's kind of uh, at a fantastic uh, discussion the other night uh, on Twitter with uh, a Paul out of um, Ontario mm-hmm. and um, uh, someone uh, I can't remember now who was it from. Uh, also another guy from from BC and uh, my apologies because uh, your mind your name is slipping my my mind right now. But it was on that it was on that topic of. Of you know when youth clubs are saying that this is my player, 
and this is my player, and they're, no, they're not going to go to this program. Not gonna, we're not gonna, we don't want to lose our players. Yeah. You know, and uh, so they see losing a player to professional academy as losing their player. And he made the great comment that at the end of the day, you're you're a you're a retailer, you're you're a service provider, mm-hmm. and this customer of yours has paid you a money paid you money to play for your club and you're and you're providing them a service for that money you don't own that player yeah just like in our academy when the whitecaps are interested in one of our players and they're the division one mls academy and they're in the u.s development league yeah we send players on yeah we don't say no wait a second here these are our and and, and there is a bigger difference because we actually yeah. fund our academy these kids are free but yet yeah. we're still sending players off to uh, perceive uh, you know, a higher yeah. level for sure so here we're doing it and we're paying for these players yeah. And some youth clubs don't want to do it, and they're being paid. And so that became out. And, and, you know, I made the comment that it's very easy to tell because so many people out there preach player development, and they'll come up to, oh, I really like your son, you know. Here's what we do at our club. We're going to develop him to this and this and this. And then when the player transfers clubs and goes to their club, and then they do develop a little bit, and now they're good enough, and all of a sudden they caught the attention of FC Edmonton, Mm -hmm. and we want to bring to our academy, oh, no, we don't want you to go, you know, you should stay here. The second that happens, the second that any coach or club uh, tries to deny a player from moving to a higher level is the second that that club has to stop preaching development. Because they've just proven they're not about development at all. Of course, they're about the, yeah. the victories, the championships. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. Are you suggesting that happens more than it should? It, suge- it yeah. happens Once much is more. more too many, one it, time too many, I yeah, guess. Yeah, it's uh, and it in provinces all over the country, should. not and yeah. not necessarily just in Alberta. It's yeah. everywhere. Yeah. It, much more than it should. Yeah, That's and right. and on that note, we're going to take a quick break here at Rabbit Radio. Uh, when we come back, we'll discuss a little bit more about the uh, Canadian national men's team, uh, the under twenty men's team. And a whole bunch more. So keep on listening. This is Rabbit Radio, the official podcast of FC Edmonton. And we'll be right back. You're listening to Rabbit Radio, the official podcast of FC Edmonton. And we're back here live at the sports restaurant, better known as the First Round. Uh, beverages, food. What did you have? <laughs> Jeff had the fish tacos. Yeah. Fish tacos for Jeff. There was a salad and some uh, karate yeah. kick jalapeno shrimp. Karate kick. Jala- were the shrimp good? Yeah, they're, they're good. Yeah, yeah great. They, they were good. Yeah. I had the. Uh, what did I have? I had the goldtenders. Yes, yes, yes. Chicken yeah, tenders and it, it, fries. His typical twelve-year-old self decided to have the chicken yeah. tenders. Typic, I had the chicken. Yeah, I think tenders. it was on the kids' menu, but Avery suggested it. <laughs> oh, she's giggling now, but uh, she didn't giggle when she served them. You can leave the fries. He'll throw those in the box too. Yeah. And we'll Thank just keep you. the banter going yeah. here. A- Avery's about to bring us beverages as well. Really keeping the show clicking. <laughs> 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 we were, before we left, we were talking about the CSA, and yep. uh, we'll continue on that fashion with the men's team, mm-hmm. uh, who are off to Honduras for a qualifying match, part of yep. the uh, Russia 2000 and something. I can't remember. 18. 18. 18. There, it, yeah. there it is. Follow uh, the bouncing ball. Follow yep. the bouncing ball. And um, we've got a player from FC Eventune is on his way. Uh, Nick Ledgerwood. Yeah. So what are your thoughts about One of this? our former guests. Yeah, former guests, of That's course. Right. 
what are your thoughts of um, you know what are your rabbit radio thoughts? They're going to be in on, tough on uh, whether they'll do well or not in Honduras. Well, they're going to be in tough. Yes, but my first thought is it can't be as bad as the last time. It's impossible that it'll be as bad as the last time. Right. Wasn't that the time they sort of eight to one? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. The, but they were all around the hotel, or was that a different? No, that was Panama. Panama. Right. That's yeah. it. That's yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Nick said that uh, actually in, in Honduras they were pretty. Uh, they were pretty tame. They left them alone at the hotel. But what the, the what they did do is um, it was a three o'clock kickoff on like a Wednesday or something, and they made it a national holiday so that everybody could. And he said the the stadium was packed. No, atmosphere yeah. was fantastic. Two hours before kickoff. Wow. Right? He said it was amazing just to be there. Imagine for it. being part of a country that can actually throw a national holiday so everyone can go to the game. Do you ever yeah. see that happening in Canada? Never. Never. Not I, even, it wouldn't even happen for a hockey game. Well, I was just going to say, even yeah. for this, uh, what's the new hockey thing that's coming up? This uh, World thing? Cup of World, Hockey. World Cup of yeah. Hockey that's coming up. With what, eight teams in it? Yeah, that's the World Cup. <laughs> well done, hockey. <laughs> World Cup. Well, okay, you know, fair I'll, point. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll be honest, I'll probably yeah. watch it anyway. But, Let's call uh, it the Tournament of Few Countries. <laughs> <laughs> it's Hockey's Tournament of Few Countries, everybody. Honduras <laughs> didn't make that one, did they? No, Honduras won't be there. Oh, Honduras is yeah. Yeah, none of the South none of the South American countries have qualified for this either. Okay. Yeah, I don't. So uh, should, it be, should it be called the World yeah. Cup of Frozen Countries? There you go. <laughs> there you go. We could use theme music when you edit this for the uh, for the podcast, the Frozen <laughs> theme song. Um, but so we'll get back to uh, we'll get back to Honduras. Yeah, um, this one here, and well, more importantly, Nick Ledgerwood. Yeah, I mean, you know? what a, I mean, it, he's a great spokesperson for FC Edmonton, yeah. and uh, I think he's a great spokesperson for the the Canadian national team as well. He's one of their vets now. He's yeah. been around the block. That's right, and uh, he's really proud to pull on that jersey. Yeah. And you can tell by his interviews. You can tell by just talking to him about the game. He's happy to talk about it. He's yeah. excited to be there, and he he was he was pretty confident in his talk that they're going to do well. He is confident, you know. Certainly, uh, Benito Flores has changed the way that this team is playing, and um, you know it's amazing the criticism that Benito still gets on Twitter from soccer people. And uh, let's give it a chance. You know, we've not we've not not made it yet. No, so, I mean you're in a pretty good spot and we're right a good now. Spot right? Aren't they tied uh, tied with Honduras in points right well, now? Well, we are, and we're the only country between us, uh, Honduras, and El Salvador. Um, that does not have to play Mexico in the final two games. Right. You right. know, so, so that, that's you a big advantage You get a result against Honduras, and you're in a yeah, really good spot is, uh, to make the hex. Yeah. This is a team that's hard to play against, it our is. national team. I think, I think they played, they played very well in Vancouver, too, so I'll have El Salvador when they come back to Vancouver. Yeah, very good. And uh, that should be a very exciting match as well. But the, yeah. it's getting through I'll that. be at that game. Are you, is that on, yeah, is that on the Tuesday? Right, it's right after the meeting on the oh, Tuesday. Man. So that's, How fantastic uh, That'll be that? very cool. Yeah, I'm excited cool. for that. Yeah. That'll be yeah. the second time you've seen El Salvador play, but you saw their youth team. Uh, the youth team in yeah, El Salvador. That's right. That's, that's right. right. Yeah, Jose met me down there. I know. Yeah, and Jose is nothing like any other El Salvadorian. <laughs> so I think, I think Jose is lying, <laughs> actually. Jose, Jose. And, and young Oscar in our academy actually says that uh, when he looks at Jose and watches Jose play, he says he is not El Salvadorian. <laughs> so, and that's coming from uh, Oscar. Um, what I want to say about Nick, though, I think the time is great. I hope, I hope Nick gets a run out as a central midfield player yeah. uh, for Canada, not as a right back. You know, as, uh, I think this last game against Port, I thought Nick was fantastic. Mm-hmm. I, I thought Nick was, uh, 
was full of running all over the front end. He, he just he just seemed so energetic in this game for me. Yeah, yeah you really kind of wonder if, that, if, if getting the Canadian nod gave him a little bit of extra yeah. push yeah. for us. Because, I mean, How could it to not? be totally honest, Nick has... You know, he's had some great games and he yeah. had some less than great games. And I think he would admit that. There are some games where, uh, you know, he could have could have done more. Yeah, he's an honest footballer. He'll yeah. tell you himself yeah. when he's not been at his best. Yeah, yeah. so for I sure. think yeah. it was a, he was an energized player on Sunday for sure. Yeah, he was buzzing about it. I was so happy. I told him after the game how, how impressed I was with his performance on the day. And, yeah. you know, it's unlucky he got underneath that one. But his run into the box, he got onto that ball over the net. But, but fantastic movement off the ball. Um, and he's a leader. Nick, you know, and he wants it so bad, and you can see it in him. And, and I think he must be getting close to Colin Miller cap-wise, right? He, he's in that range, I'm pretty you sure. You think so? Yeah, I do think so. Yeah, we'll have to, we'll have to check up the numbers yeah. here. Uh, and that's we have to say that as well. Our, our media guys aren't able to uh, make it today, and I know Jeff will have a few kind words for, uh, for, our, for our man, yeah. Jimmy. Jane, James is at home uh, hanging out with his Jimmy. Yeah, there he is. There he is. James is moving today. Yeah. That's what, what the, what oh, the excuse that where he's was. At. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's uh, moving out of the place he was in into a new place. <laughs> It's exciting for I Jimmy. I have no idea where Very that place is. Very exciting for Jimmy. And unfortunately, so out of his mom's basement into his dad's basement. <laughs> Beautiful. That's There's right. some sort of basement thing going yeah. on for sure. Um, yeah, the, the CSA, I'm, I'm just fully excited to see these games. Uh, yeah. I've been really pleased with the way they've gone. It's like you said, with Benito taking them into a different direction and uh, you know, a different thought process on how things are going to go, it just seems to actually be clicking, you're, especially you're probably, with the younger players. You know, he, he, he generates so much. This Again, I go back to the, the amount of criticism you read about, about Canada and people not giving us a chance already with two games to go and we're such a good situation right now to get to the hex. And if we get there, you never know. Right yeah. at that point, if you get there, exactly. but but this is a man that's come into a country that didn't have an identity really, and yeah, you know, you talk to some people and they say, well, you know, Canadians work hard, and I I, I got to tell you how much that drives yeah, me nuts. You don't like, like that, you don't I don't like, like that. that because like, that is the least you're playing for your country. Yeah. So so Papua New Guinea, those players, they work hard. Yeah. You know, Indonesia, those players, they work hard. They're yeah. playing for the country. So to say that that is our that's identity, the bare minimum. Is that's yeah. a, yeah. it's a that's prerequisite yeah. for yeah. playing that's the right. game. Period. That's yeah. it. So it's let's not work. use that as being enough anymore because, no. you know, our U-20s that didn't qualify the last time, yeah, they worked hard. It's not like they tried to lose. They, they, every, every one of those players worked hard. But technically, the best group of players we've seen come across in one group of players in a long time in this country, mm-hmm. and they'll get there. I mean, that, that U-20 group, those players will grow and develop as long as they're getting minutes in their environments, and they'll get there. But, but the identity now is, so what is going to be our identity? Are we going to get past this? Okay, well, they, they just they grind. They work hard. Can we get past that? Benito Floro is trying to get us past that. Benito Floro is trying to put a plan in place. He's trying to get them to play football out of the back. He wants them to play the game. Uh, he's organized defensively. They drop back. This is a tough team to play against, and it's a tough team to score against. Knock on wood because yeah. we're going to Honduras. Yeah, but, of course. Um, so, but he's trying to change habits. And, and how many years and years of habits are formed in these players that he's working with? Yeah. So he's trying to change that. And uh, it's... it's uh, uh, monumental task is that the right term? It's a monumental task for any manager to step into that environment. Yeah, I would, I would, I would say it's monumental. monumental. I mean, yeah. And I think, I think you're right. I think people have to start giving him credit. I think, I think Benito is kind of put 
I mean, I, I guess we, we talk football every day. It's part of our occupation. Yeah. But yeah. it just seems to me that Benito has been able to put this Canadian national team back on the map a little bit. You notice mm-hmm. commercials on television leading into the games. Yeah. Uh, media is coming out talking to guys like Nick Ledgerwood when they when they when he gets named to the squad. Yeah. It's, it just seems to mean more to uh, means. Hopefully, to the average fan out there, because honestly, I'll, I'll be quite honest: the Canadian national team is not the first nation that I support in, in, no. the, in the global and, game. And I think you can actually count on one hand the amount of times that sort of the Canadian national team has actually been at the forefront of media. Well, I imagine in 1986 they were, but well, I was yeah, eight years that, old. Exactly, and, I can't quite and that's World Cup. So the next time for me is when they played Brazil here in Edmonton. That and was Drew. massive. Good point. That, Good point. that one the, would have been and it. That, that media and game the coverage Cup. came after yeah. after that game. But you're right. The 2000 when they and won the Gold Cup. Yeah, and when when they won the Gold Cup. But yeah. since then, yeah, since uh, since those two things from '86 till now. There's really not been too much. Yeah, so I, I just I just think that Benito's been able to, in, in, and because he's playing, it's it's actually an interesting game to watch when you put the Canadian national team on TV. They're mm-hmm. not just like you say grinding out draws or yeah, uh, you know, doing what they can to not get their butts kicked. Mm-hmm. They're wanting to play with these countries, and yeah. that for me is entertaining football. Oh, it's to totally watch. entertaining, and you know? I think. It's, it's starting to catch on a little yeah, bit. I, think so I hope well. it is. I yeah. think so as well. Yeah, and then also a quick shout-out for um, uh, for our, our U20s. Yeah, for uh, sure. Rob Gale with that group down in Costa Rica. Uh, Shamit Shoma, of course, one of ours. Fantastic article, Goal mm-hmm. Magazine, about Shamit yeah. and, uh, and his kind of rise to prominence right now. And early prominence, so we'll, of course. we'll make sure we say that. We're not talking yeah, about... Let's not, uh, not coin another ex- Canadian yeah, Messi or, no other, or whatever yeah. you want to call him. No, I, you know, the best thing about Shamit is that uh, Shamit is very happy to be the next Shamit. Yeah. And, uh, and I think that's what sets him apart from other young players, uh, not just our young players, but, but across this country. Uh, he knows what he needs to work on. He wants to work on it. But, but he's having a fantastic run. Mm-hmm. He, I know he's a big part of Rob Gale's plans with that U20 group. And uh, it's important they're in Costa Rica for, this, um, for these two games because that's where qualifiers are. So it's going to get some of these key players in that environment for 10 days, working, uh, understanding the heat down there, the environment, eating the food down there. Yeah. So when they go back for qualifiers, it won't be a culture shock. And it's, uh, it, you know, it's another example of the CSA trying to make changes to improve the program because you'll notice they're sending a lot of money now. Yeah, that's uh, not on free. Just projects, right? That's not free. Exactly. And normally you just keep that at, on home turf. Yeah. You yeah, know, maybe, sure. you, maybe you take, if you're in Vancouver, you take five or six kids from Vancouver area. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe nor- not normally would be at that camp, you know. Mm-hmm. I think that's a it's a very smart move, and it yeah. and it does show that they're committed to developing these yeah. kids. Yeah, we're on the cusp. I, I believe it. We're on the cusp, and uh, I mean, I'm half glass full anyhow. I think, and now uh, when it comes to Canadian soccer, but I truly believe we're on the cusp of, of something really good in this country happening over the next uh, ten to fifteen years. And again. There's no quick fix here in this country. There's no there's no magic wand. Jason DeVos no. isn't going to come in and 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 make a Jason DeVos statement. And all of a sudden, next year Canada is qualifying for under under 17 and under 20 World Cups. That's not the case. It's going to take time to build for that's sure. Right, and you see it coming. You need that growth. You yeah. need that, and you need someone with a vision for a, a, three, four, five years down the road, that's ten right. years down the road, 
of how to develop and build the programs. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And, and one thing that I, I'm just, it just dawned on me, because I, I, of course, just like you guys, played when I was a young kid, yeah. uh, played club soccer with Southwest United from U14 up until U18. And one of the things I do remember is that well, we had a couple, you know, the, the Italian kids, like Serge was on the team, uh, and there was another Italian on the team, a couple of Italians on the Serge team. Serge Italian? He's, he's, uh, sorry, he's Portuguese. He's Portuguese. <laughs> sorry, Serge. Oh, man. Uh, he, would, wow. he would have you for that. Italian, wow. Greek, Portuguese, I, they I, all play the same way. They just defend. <laughs> I owe you a pint, so, Serge. I owe you a pint. I owe you a pint. My point is that I, I don't remember, how, uh, now that I'm around these clubs and seeing them play a little bit more, there seems to be a lot more... Um, you know, first-born Canadians that are now taking up the sport and and and, yeah. and joining these club teams, coming from countries that, you know, maybe they're a little bit more into football in their home countries. Yeah. I think they're bringing their expertise and their experience to Canada. I think it's helping our kids. Uh, I I, I sure. don't remember it being so multicultural on my club teams it's, growing it, up. You know what? And funny you should mention that because at uh, academy training today. Um, very multicultural team that we have uh, for our academy team that's uh, about to go to the premiership, uh, uh, the men's premiership championships in Calgary. Uh, premier. Premier. Yeah. What did I call <laughs> it? The premiership. 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 Yeah. Not quite at that yeah. level. Not, not quite at that <laughs> level. Yeah. But, but yeah. I mean, Wayne Rooney's still playing, so we are close <laughs> to the premiership, I guess. I, my point was seeing some of the skill level at the academy today was. It was really good. Yeah. yeah, it was really nice stuff to watch from some of these younger kids that are coming through, and hopefully they, in turn, because most of them are, you know, 16 years old, are going to get their opportunity with the national program as well. Mm-hmm. And maybe mm-hmm. Galey will still be around at that point and be looking at some of those players to come into the under 20s, like Sham has. Yeah, it's an amazing thing too, guys. I, I had some, somebody asked me today for some. Uh, uh, basically, a list of success stories from our academy. He wanted some background information uh, for some work he's doing, and so I reached out to JP and I asked, "Can you send me something that I can that I can give this guy?" And uh, the list that JP sends me—it's a full page mm-hmm. and listing every player that's gone to whether it's uh, a pro team in the NASL, a uh, USL team. Um, MLS affiliate USL team, Europe, yeah. uh, you know, college level, whether it be NAIA or CIS or NCAA or yeah. whatever, he's got them all listed there, and it's uh, it's incredible. It's, it's extensive, this, isn't this, it? This yeah. academy has not been in the works for five years, even. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we should honestly put that on the internet on our website to show people the success. Uh, yeah. It's it's amazing, and it's, it's amazing. And, it's, and I have to say, a lot of it's well, a huge part of it's you, JP. And, <laughs> That's right. His head's getting uh, bigger well, no, and no, bigger. No, no. You can't, can't fit it in the glass room anymore. You're making me blush, d He's already won the beer for the night, so <laughs> yeah, he's getting his drinking yeah, for free tonight. But, no, i uh, got to pay for this one. It's number three. Oh, okay, okay. Fair um, enough. But, yeah, I mean, and that goes to the way it's run as well. I absolutely. Think, so. Yeah. And you know long what? may it continue, uh, JP. Long may uh, Yeah, sure. cheers, guys. You know what? It's, uh, I will give a shout-out to, to the staff coaches in the program um, because they're buying into what we're asking them from them to do, and maybe some it takes them out of their comfort zone as well. But, but I think it's uh, – so full credit to them. And, you know, again, I look at a guy like Eric Munoz, and I gave him credit 
uh, on um, on another podcast yeah, or a, right. a radio interview for Shamit because I, I do believe Eric Munoz had a huge impact on Shamit mm-hmm. when he was in our program. Yeah. And, you know, and Eric, of course, is now teaching full-time and he's a daddy and um, so he's a busy guy. But but Eric Munoz is just one of these people we've had. We've, we've had come through the academy as a staff mm-hmm. coach. A staff that coach. has been a, a great field coach. And, yeah. you know, and then, of course, you have to thank the clubs for the work they do. And, and this is the thing, Dre, yeah. you know, because... Yeah. <laughs> We talk about it, and some, I'm lucky. I get to sit on my soapbox and, and preach about player development and about yeah. what's right or wrong for young kids yeah. because I'm dealing with kids that, in a program that's funded by Tom and Dave Fath. Yeah. I'm not dealing with the issues of registrations and having to deal with all of the issues the clubs are. So I appreciate I do get to be a bit on a bit of a soapbox sometimes. But you look at the kids that have come through the program, and, mm-hmm. and you talk about that list you just mentioned, Dre, and all the kids that are now playing NCAA Div 1, some NAIA schools involved, a whole whack of kids in the CIS. Yeah. And not just, but not just playing in the CIS, but, but competing. And, you know, the U of A's just went 2-0 to start their year, and they beat um, the Calgary Dinos, and they beat Mount Royal. And of their starting lineup, of those 11 starters, six are FC Edmonton Academy grads. Well, and, and two for, are freshmen. Yeah. For me, that, that, that it just, whenever you get, and I'm not trying to start a fight here, but whenever you get, uh, you know, a, a, a club coach uh, argue that, you know, you're poaching our players yeah. or whatever terminology you want to use, yeah. you should just show them that piece of paper I know. and ask them to show you theirs. But I mean, yeah. I, right? I, I think mean, the term poaching is ridiculous because we're at totally different levels of, st- of the spectrum. Yeah. We are at a different, and I don't mean we're above everybody, we're not. We're just different as far as what we can offer and, and where we can take the kids than uh, the, the regular clubs will. Hopefully the clubs can bring them to a point where they're capable of coming in, and that, yeah. that the should level that, and for me that should be the goal of the amateur clubs yes. in, yeah. in this yes, province to get them to FC Edmonton Academy, and that's, that's where the yeah. first place that, they should be trying and, to get them. And that's to. where we go back to having a guy like Jason DeVos in the position he's going to be in with the yeah. CSA. Hopefully, he can start talking to some of the clubs, whether you know, starting at the provincial levels, and and then hopefully that'll filter down to the clubs. So they understand the pathway. And just to set the record straight, FC Edmonton does not practice poaching players from any no, club. of course no. not. There, there's never pressure put on any player to be in the program, and no. we, we make an offer. And um, we don't have to. We don't have to sit here, honestly, quite honestly. And this is this isn't meant to sound arrogant. And certainly, I don't think that we have an arrogant program. And um, but we don't need to sit here and actually, you know, make any comments that that we're the higher program or, or this and that. We don't believe that personally. No. We, we, we believe that we are actually working in conjunction and adding to the skill set that was already given to them by these clubs. Correct. Uh, and we just now take it to the next step because we have the best players training and the best players. However, the CSA has made it very clear on the player pathway for elite player development that, yes, they start in the clubs and then they progress to a professional academy. So we don't need to sit here and blow our own horn or anything like this because the CSA has been as mandated. Yeah, it's the mandate. They've so. laid it out, of course. And uh, and we do give credit to the clubs and the work they've done. And you know, some it's a shame when you get uh, pushback uh, for trying to do the right thing for elite players. And um, and especially it's it's more a shame when you, when you get pushback from pl- from people that you know know better. Yeah. And um, you know, but that's uh, an empire building mentality that this country has. Uh, youth clubs where where we do feel an ownership of players. 
And uh, like I said, you know, we're a fully funded program. These players pay nothing to be in our program. And yet when Vancouver Whitecaps are interested in a player, uh, we send them there on trial. We wish them the best of luck when they go. And we're actually, you know, we celebrate when they are accepted. And, yeah. you know, you look at Imar Sige. He's on a full-ride scholarship at Penn State. Started in our program. Uh, Jalori uh, G, uh, Amanda. Um, he is, he's been listed by the Whitecaps as one of their U18 players to watch this upcoming year, FC Edmonton Academy. Uh, T-Boy Fayer, another up-and-coming, good, strong, young player in their program, FC Edmonton Academy. Mm-hmm. We've just sent four players this past year have been, have been offered f- uh, a full, full residency, residency position yeah. with the Vancouver Whitecaps out of our academy. So we're doing the right thing. Uh, I, I, I'm 100% convinced that, that this program operates the right way, we operate ethically. Uh, and we're trying to progress players for the CSA. Yeah, and that's, and that's a great thing. And on that note, we're going to take another quick break. When we come back, we're going to hammer the NASL information your way. The week that was, the week that will be, and any news stories that have come into play. You're listening to Rabbit Radio, the official podcast of FC Edmonton, live from the First Round Sports Restaurant in downtown Edmonton. Listening to Rabbit Radio, the official podcast of FC Edmonton. And we're back here, Rabbit Radio Live at the sports restaurant known as First Round. I've said that the same way a couple of times tonight. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know what it is. I, I think it's the spiced rum. You upped, you upped your drinking game I tonight. I did. I upped my drinking <laughs> game tonight. It goes from 2% to 40%. <laughs> That's right. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a little bit of a struggle to actually say the official podcast of FC Edmonton. <laughs> it's you know a bit of a tongue twister. But that's what Rabbit Radio is. And we're now going to start talking a little bit about Northlands and what they're going to do with the space they have from the arena. It's interesting, isn't it? It is interesting because there's a couple of things with the city uh, talking about the Northlands group and Mm. what they were going to do with the old arena that's there now, now that Rogers Place is going to be up and running this coming season. What have you heard there, JP? What's been out there? Well, the big one, you know, the big one that kind of, uh, I think Derek Van Deest... uh, DVD. It's the I know the Heineken's got me second guessing myself. <laughs> yeah. um, no, he's been a, he's been a huge supporter of the club, obviously, and he's been a fantastic uh, voice. Uh, and he's often talked about the stadium needs and what the city needs to do for FC Edmonton. And and uh, not that we go look for handouts from the city, certainly, but we, yeah. we do look for cooperation. But but uh, another big hitter today in the city came out with a tweet. And it's uh, build a decent 8,000-seat expandable soccer-specific stadium and keep FC Edmonton at the top of the tables, and it'll be a happening. And this is from Terry Jones today. And, you know, again, I think this is, well, Dre, you, you know the media world very well. Yeah, I mean, Terry Jones, I, I got the pleasure of working with TJ briefly in my journalism career after graduating from Grant McEwen. Um, I was an intern at uh, at the Sun, not in the sports department, so I, our, our paths rarely cross. But right. you know, he's always there. Anyway, um, he is uh, you know very well respected. He's mm-hmm. very well read. Um, you know, he's been with the Edmonton Sun for decades. I think he started with the Journal, but I could be wrong there. Anyway, he um, has the ear of the sports fan in this city, uh, for yeah. good or ill. But he's got it, um, and. I just think by by putting that out there, that's that's a massive massive uh, support for us. That's a that's a big tweet for us. I, I don't know if that's ever come out from a journalist of that ilk to say, look, you know what this this 
this could work here. I mean, the atmosphere in our 4,000-seat stadium is fantastic, and it's not full. Um, you put an 8,000-seat stadium, and like he says, we do our part yeah, and, and make sure we're at top of the table and a, and, a, and, a, and a good team to come out and watch. And it becomes a happening. Yeah. It becomes a Portland, a downtown Portland. That be- would be sweet. It becomes a Seattle. It becomes a Vancouver. Yeah. You get this cult following. At, at, at for, for some reason, soccer doesn't seem to be a mainstream sport here yet. So you get your cult followings, and they are diehard fans. You know what? And I'm starting to think more and more, after being here now for four years, uh, that the stadium itself is more of an issue than the product on the field and how things are, are marketed. Well, I, and I, I truly think people do not enjoy coming to that area of the city, which, I mean, it's, it's, it, it's like any other city. You've got your areas that, you know, are a little harder pressed than, hey, than anywhere else. It, it's and, it's is, not Glenora. It's, no. it's, 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 you know, it's not your Strathcona. It, you're right. It's, it's, it's. You know, a bit of a hard nose area. Yeah. Um, you know, the city's doing their part, looking at what they can do to to uh, get some beautification going on there. They've they've started with the quarters that kind of leads in from the west side into that area, and it's it's starting to look beautiful yeah. in there. They're doing a good building job. beautiful I, buildings yeah, I, in there. And I'm not, I, by no means am I am I I'm not slagging any of these. No, no, I know I know what you're saying. Though. My thoughts are, if you put a jewel of some kind. This being what Terry's saying, mm. a stadium, yeah. an 8,000-seat stadium of quality in club colors, in city colors, yeah. I think you're going to see 8,000 people at that stadium. I, I think you will, too. And it's interesting that before I came here, I took 15 minutes at home to, to, to watch the news. And I'm glad I did because um, I heard that um, you know this whole Northlands discussion has been going on yeah. lately, that yeah. Uh, yeah. Northlands' plan kind of got kiboshed by council last week. Mm-hmm. And the mayor now has come out and said, from what I could tell from the little bit of news I watched today, that he's saying, you know what, I, I, I don't mind the Rexall Place idea where they want to stack some hockey rinks Six in there. rinks inside which, there. Which, you know what, sure, do yeah. it. I mean, what else are you going to do with Rexall? Tear it down? Yeah. Sure, put some hockey rinks in there, no mm-hmm. problem. We've already looked at it as a soccer venue, and it just doesn't quite work. So yeah. move on, sure, put hockey rinks in there. But... That and the, I think it was a 42 or $45 million loan that Northlands had from the city for the Expo Center. They want to, you know, just wipe that off the table. Yeah. So, so the mayor was saying, you know, I, I could get on board with those two things, but everything else that you've presented here yeah. ain't going to fly. And one of those things was changing the horse track, which they've now, that, that whole thing is gone now. They, they've, I think they've handed it over to professional bull riding, which yeah. is going to be out of Rogers Place anyway. Yeah. So Northlands has lost a major horse racing venue. That's gone. Yeah. So now what happens with that? And, and this is just me hypothesizing, but I have a feeling that the city kind of wants to take that land back and to do something soccer related in that area and i've got no i don't have any insider information or anything like that it just i've just been following this because you know coincidentally i happen to live across the street from the area so i follow it pretty closely i want to see something really nice done with north lines i don't want it to end up being a cesspool there which it could happen if you don't look after it. i think with a space like that you could almost set it up the way um i I don't know some of the people out there listening might have might know the venue around the USA Cup, which is a uh, not the USA Cup. The no, uh, you're talking about the the thing in Minnesota. Yeah, or? yeah, 
yeah, yeah. The Swan Cup. Swan the Cup. Swan Cup. Yeah. So, I mean, and that's a youth tournament that's put on every yeah. year. But it's a huge, like, polo fields that they had redone yeah. and, and refixed up. But there's a main stadium yeah. there and a whole bunch of smaller that's fields not, around not the outside. A, that's not a bad show. That, not a bad show. And Minnesota's yeah. not that different of a climate if you think about exactly. it than Edmonton, than Edmonton is. is. So, and uh, it works. It works. It works. And you know what? All this, All these... Groups talking about doming fields and building indoor facilities. Well, for an 8,000-seat stadium to go in, you, you keep that racetrack side that's already in place. You've got your suites. You've got your bar, restaurant areas. Yeah. You've, yeah. If you want to keep the gambling, you've got VLTs and stuff in there. Yeah. You've got office space in there. And you've got a grandstand. And then you can do something on the other on side. The build, side. You know, yeah. Bring in the stands that we have at Clark and put them on there. But, or do something a little do bit something nicer. nicer yeah. um, and, and it's ready to go. It's yeah. ready to go. And um, I, I, I think throwing a dome over it creates... Revenue generation all year oh, round. Oh, sure. for sure. Which the horse track isn't. Oh, well, that's not true. They race horses in the middle of winter too, don't they? I well, they did go, anyway. So I don't know. Anyway, that's don't know. a moot point because they're yeah, not yeah. going to be there it next involves year. Involves animal abuse, so you, I would support it. You may as well put something there that can be used year round. Because I tell you right now, an outdoor concert venue. That ain't going to fly year-round in Edmonton. Well, they know that, and they've already said that. I mean, and, and, that's and, already, and city, he's already said. City no council that, yeah. said, are you kidding? Yeah. You know, for me, it's, uh, it's, it's a field of dreams. It's a build, and they will come. I think so. I agree, um, I yeah. agree wholeheartedly yeah. with you there, you know, Jeff. Because uh, I've always believed that this attitude, that uh, the initial kind of statements from the city that when you start we packing to, Clark, yeah. we'll look at building yeah, That's ridiculous. It, basically, that's saying we, don't wanna, we really don't want to help you because we, don't we know you're never going to fill Clark. Yeah. And, and they do nothing to help with Clark. So, you know, you compare Commonwealth to Clark, and I've said this before, I'm a broken record here a little bit, but compare the two and compare the, the branding that, uh, and what's allowed to happen at Commonwealth Stadium and around the stadium versus what happens at Clark Stadium. So, you know, you talk about the main user, the primary tenant, and certainly the Eskimos are the primary tenant of Commonwealth Stadium. Mm-hmm. And you all know that. Yeah. And everyone knows that. Mm-hmm. And even if you have no idea what Canadian football is, you will know about the Eskimos because it is branded everyone there, and they must own that stadium. That's mm-hmm. what you would think as an outsider. For sure. Yeah. Now, you come by Clark Stadium, and we're the primary tenant there, and you would never know that a professional soccer team plays out of that place. No. no. There is nothing to make it ours. It, again, I go back to the colors, and I... You know, for the life of me, I can't imagine why a city that's, uh, whose colors are blue and white would have a, a city-owned facility painted green mm-hmm. to match a professional football team, which you don't own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it goes back to that. Now, to, for the Northlands and, and, that, and that area there, uh, what they've talked about, and this was all part of an initial bid strategy before, and I know that they've... Uh, well, we, and, uh, and there was a committee talking about soccer-specific stadiums for that I, very same bid. There was, it, uh, and I know that they've actually gone and visited... Uh, another got, stadium to dry, get some ideas, yeah. you know. So yeah. they knew it was going to cost. They they know what they want to build there, and and this was part of the Commonwealth Games bid, I believe, right? Uh, at one point, as it well. was, but then they stopped. They, they stopped that. Yeah, they didn't go right. through with that. But the idea of that land being used or the racetrack land, they were going to make it a rugby because rugby was, was part of yeah. the Commonwealth, game. and it still can be. Oh, absolutely, it still can be. You know, and uh, I mean, rugby is a lot like soccer, though, isn't it? Because rugby. Rugby clubs, I, I believe, also pay for their own facilities and maintain their facilities, much like soccer does, <laughs> and unlike a couple other sports we know. Yes. But um, so, so for me, that's it. If the city builds something decent uh, and a soccer-specific and it's branded to the primary tenant, which would be FC Edmonton in that situation, then people will come and they will support it. Yeah. Uh, now... Did it even know that there's professional soccer happening at Clark Stadium? How would you know that? Yeah, I, there's not even yeah. not, even if they were allowed to have banners up around it, 
that would make a huge difference. But on that note, we're going to take a very quick break, and, uh, and when we come back, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll do- dive right into the old NASL roundup. This is Rabbit Radio, the official podcast of FC Edmonton, live from the First Round Restaurant in downtown Edmonton. podcast of FC Edmonton. And we're back again live at the First Round Sports Restaurant in downtown Edmonton. This is Rabbit Radio, the official podcast of FC Edmonton, and we're just getting ready to hit up our old NASL roundup. Yes, the week that was, the week that will be in the North American Soccer League, the league which FC Edmonton is tied for first place at this moment, aren't we? Yeah, with the game in hand. With a game in hand. you got to love that. And we're one point back in the combined standings of yes. fall and spring or with a game in hand as with well. With a game in hand there as well. That's a sweet thing. Sweet yeah. thing. So, Jeff, where are we at with uh, what went on last weekend? Yeah, we'll go through the scores here. And, of course, as everyone recalls, we uh, often do uh, our, our predictions and we, we, don't we wager a pint. You know, j- just we, uh, <laughs> we wager a pint on this and the winner gets two pints. And, um, and who won and, uh, Who won this who, week? Who, we won't even have to think of the scores yet. Who won yet? I'll just say who won. Let's yeah. just leave Let's it at that. Let's just leave it at that. Yeah. JP took the trophy. I won. You won. Ah, JP. I won? Yeah, you won. You came back. You yeah. came back from a dismal first week, Thank and you. Uh, this yeah. week you uh, yeah, you took it to is, us. Uh, you fantastic. owned the podium, right. so to speak. I like that. Uh, and, and just to, uh, if, I don't know if Jay Ball is listening, but uh, Jay, just so you know, you were second place, which is not Jay, oh, Jay that's, second, that's, And the two guys place. who were actually in and about it more often than not were rock bottom, weren't we? We went one in five. <laughs> yeah. Hey, everyone. It's DW from FC Edmonton here. This podcast sort of ended abruptly here, and I, my apologies for that. I have an older, <laughs> an older computer that is a little on the finicky side, so apologies. Hope you've enjoyed the uh, the tenth episode of Rabbit Radio, the official podcast of FC Edmonton. I promise we will try and rectify any mistakes for upcoming episodes. And this is uh, this is going to be a bit of a bonus uh, midweek episode that you guys get, this one. Um, hope you enjoy it. You'll see Andreas, myself, and uh, Jeff Paulus back at it uh, later on this week. A busy week for FC Edmonton as well, and we'll talk more about that in the podcast coming up. All right, thanks for listening, everybody. Radio, the official podcast of FC Edmonton.